Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the August 1992 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA, and is about General Mark Wayne Clark, 33rd degree, distinguished soldier, statesman, educator, and Mason, written by Meredith L. Butterton, 32nd degree. A recent visit to Charleston, South Carolina, sparked in me memories of a similar warm spring day back in 1984. April 19th, eight years ago, is likely to remain special to me and everyone else attending for many years to come. Beautiful, sunny spring weather graced Charleston that day, allowing lacy white clouds to skitter playfully through beaming blue skies. Military, political, Masonic, and personal friends numbering in the hundreds filled the large Spanish-styled Summerall Chapel located on the northwest side of the well-groomed parade grounds of the Citadel Military College. These guests were gathered to pay their last respects to one of America's greatest soldiers and Masons, General Mark Wayne Clark, 33rd degree. I had known General Clark personally for several years. His death was unexpected since his cancer was diagnosed only shortly before his passing. Through the years, my wife Virginia and I visited General Clark in Charleston on several occasions, always finding it a delight to join him in his colorful and rather secluded apartment on the top floor of the Francis Marion Hotel, or Top of the Mark, he named it a well-known landmark located in the central hub of the city. Later, he moved into his modest but comfortable private home on Country Club Lane situated on James Island, just off a section of Wapu Creek that leads into the busy Ashley River. To sit and chat with him in his memorabilia-adorned study was nothing short of a brush with history. There, surrounded by mementos of one of the most monumental periods in American history, memories lingered of Brother Clark's close association with Churchill, Roosevelt, Eisenhower, Patton, Bradley, Marshall, Alexander, Mountbatten, and a host of other notable wartime and post-war leaders. Although he never failed to prepare refreshments for us upon our arrival, it always seemed to delight him to join us for dinner at one of the many prominent restaurants in the city rather than at a private club. I like to be with people, he said, and he he was always cordial to those who came over to our table to speak with him. Mark Clark stands tall in a long list of this nation's military leaders and was indeed the last of the great World War II giants. Suffice it to say that in our lifetime it is highly unlikely we will ever see a man of his stature again. Born of a military family May 1, 1896 in Madison Barracks, later Camp Drum, Watertown, New York, Clark entered West Point at the age of 17, graduating with full honors as a second lieutenant in 1917. Promoted to captain the same year, he went on to serve in World War I with the 5th Division, being wounded in action while fighting in France. By 1942, as a Major General, he became Deputy Commander-in-Chief of Allied Forces in North Africa and played a large part in the invasion planning. At age 46, he was the youngest Lieutenant General in the history of the United States Army. In January 1943, Clark was appointed Commandeering General of the 5th U.S. Army, which became the first American force to engage the enemy in action on the continent of Europe during the war. 
Following 17 months of bitter, dogged fighting in Italy, the Fifth Army on June 4, 1944, entered Rome, thus making the Eternal City the first major Axis center to fall. In Italy, the fighting was terrible, he often related. There was no let-up, and it was touch-and-go from the beginning to the end. A year later, as commanding general of the 15th Army Group, representing all Allied forces in Italy, Clark accepted the surrender of 230,000 German troops in northern Italy and nearby Austrian provinces, an event that history would record as the first mass unconditional surrender of the war. This large-scale surrender ultimately ended the Italian campaign. Immediately following the war, Clark was named commanding general of all U.S. occupation forces in Austria and, at the same time, was appointed high commissioner of that country. This post specifically charged him with helping to feed, house, and maintain order in a nation that pledged to move swiftly into independent self-government. Moreover, it was an assignment that caused him much consternation brought on by a multitude of problems with occupying Soviet forces, though each incident was handled deftly in the manner in which he was highly trained. In 1947, he became deputy to James Burns, U.S. Secretary of State, for meetings in London and Moscow, and in June of that year, he was appointed commanding general of the 6th U.S. Army with headquarters at the Presidio in San Francisco. He left that post in September 1949 when he became chief of Army Field Forces with headquarters at Fort Monroe, Virginia. Following the outbreak of hostilities in Korea, he was made Commander-in-Chief of United Nations Forces, Far East Command, as well as Commanding General of all U.S. forces in the Far East, succeeding General Matthew B. Ridgway. In July 1953, General Clark reluctantly signed a military agreement between the U.N. Command and the military commanders of the North Korean and Chinese forces, thus ending the conflict in that region. Finally, on October 31st of that year, having served his country for 36 years, he retired from the Army. Turning aside many lucrative offers from business and industry, General Clark made a heartening decision and accepted the presidency of the Citadel, the prestigious 140-year-old military college in Charleston, South Carolina, known to many as the West Point of the South. Asked why he had chosen this position, he said, My wife and I knew this is what we wanted as I wished to devote the rest of my life to educating America's youth, helping to mold them into the leaders this nation will need in the future. Aside from many of this nation's military decorations and civilian awards, Mark Clark's career is also filled with numerous high honors and prestigious decorations from other countries. Associated with masonry for most of his life, Mark Clark became a mason at a young age, having been inducted in 1929 in the Mystic Thai Lodge No. 398, Indianapolis, Indiana, while serving at a military post in that city. As his military responsibilities grew, bringing on subsequent transfers to commands throughout the nation, he made it a point to attend lodges whenever and wherever he could. While progressing in my Masonic career, I remember him telling me that Masonry will do for you just what you do for it. Later in life, he was coroneted and Inspector General Honorary of the 33rd Degree, and in 1954 he was presented the Georgius Medal by the Supreme Council, Northern Jurisdiction, a coveted award given in recognition of distinguished service in the cause of Freemasonry, humanity, and country. Moreover, he was the recipient of the highest decoration of Indiana Freemasonry, the Caleb B. Smith Medal of Honor. Precisely at noon, the respectful silence of those in the chapel was broken as a distant muffled roll of drums penetrated the somber stillness, signaling the approach of the funeral cortege along the Avenue of Remembrance. Then General Clark's perky and beloved Citadel bagpipers began to play a spirited composition written especially for the General. General Clark, Liberator of Rome, March. 
as the sleek gray hearse bearing the general's body halted in front of the chapel, an erect and attentive citadel band, some fifty strong, already assembled in the midst of the parade grounds, burst forth appropriately with onward Christian soldiers. This was followed by the affectionate strains of Ferris Lord Jesus, its dramatic tones wafting vibrantly throughout the chapel, as the cadet pallbearers tenderly lifted the flag-draped casket up the steps into the front of the chapel. Eulogies and tributes characterized the general as a man of courage, of vision, whose life touched many people, not only throughout this land, but much of the world. More than a soldier, he was a statesman, a man of principle, and one greatly imbued with integrity and quality. The service concluded, my father and I, he too a longtime Mason and World War I veteran who wanted very much to accompany me on this day, filed out to join the others at the gravesite. A quiet, shaded area situated between Summerall Chapel and the three-story Student Activities Building, an imposing structure that cadets present and future would respectfully know as Mark Clark Hall. With the warm spring sunshine continuing to bathe the campus, the setting was shattered with the volleys of the traditional 17-gun salute. A bugler's mournful taps echoed across the Oak Line parade grounds, igniting a high wave of respect and honor among the gathering as the general's body was laid to rest beneath the soil of an institution he loved so well. The cadet band climaxed the services with a heartwarming rendition of America the Beautiful. Those who, of us who knew Mark Clark well were aware that the departed soldier had served not only his country with dignity and love, but his fellow man as well. And as I reflected on the substance of this man who had walked in friendship with presidents, kings and queens, prime ministers, and world military leaders of the highest order, I felt a special honor to note that I too, as a Masonic brother and friend, had shared a measure of his illustrious life. The following article is from masonrytoday.com. And this is an article from April 17th, 2018. And uh, let's see, it's written by... Actually, it doesn't have an author, but uh, let's go ahead and share it. Today in Masonic History, Mark Wayne Clark Passes Away. Today in Masonic History, Mark Wayne Clark Passes Away in 1984. Mark Wayne Clark was an American Army General. Clark was born in Sackett's Harbor, New York on May 1st, 1896. His father was a career infantry officer and was stationed there. He grew up most of the time in Highland Park, Illinois, while his father was stationed at Fort Sheridan. Clark gained an early admission to West Point, although his education was slow due to frequent illness. His classmates called him contraband due to his ability to sneak candy into the barracks. He graduated from West Point in April 1917. After graduation, due to an expanding army caused by World War I, Clark was rapidly promoted to second lieutenant, to first lieutenant, and finally to captain, all in a period of a few months. During World War I, he served in France as part of the United States 11th Infantry. He was wounded by shrapnel in the Vogue Mountains. He would spend the rest of the war in the General Staff Headquarters of the 1st United States Army. Between World War I and World War II, Clark would serve at a variety of duty stations, including a training instructor for the Indiana National Guard, where he was promoted to major. In 1940, he was promoted to lieutenant colonel. By 1941, he would be promoted to brigadier general, jumping two ranks just a few months before the United States officially entered into World War II. In January 1942, Clark was appointed deputy chief of staff, Army Ground Forces. Just a few months later, he was promoted to chief of staff as high-ranking officers were shifted to create new commands. 
By the end of 1942, Clark had received another promotion to Major General and had been moved to the African Theater where he was Deputy Commander-in-Chief under Eisenhower. Clark's chief duty was the planning of Operation Torch, which was the imminent landing of Allied forces in North Africa. After the successful landing, Clark was promoted to Lieutenant General, making him the youngest three-star general in the United States Army. The rest of World War II brought controversies for Clark. The 5th Army was nearly defeated at Salemmo, where Operation Avalanche was nearly defeated by a German counterattack. Following that, at the Battle of Monte Cassino, Clark ordered the destruction of the Abbey of Monte Cassino by bombings ordered by his superiors. Clark resisted the orders and forced his commanding officer to give him explicit orders to bomb the Abbey. After World War II, he would be called before Congress to answer claims that a disastrous battle at the Rapido River caused the death of thousands of soldiers and was his fault. Congress would eventually clear Clark of all blame. In 1945, Clark was promoted to general. Shortly after, he would accept the surrender of the German forces in Italy. During the Korean War, Clark served as the commander of the United Nations Command, assuming the role in May of 1952. After retiring, Clark served as the president of the Citadel, a military academy in Charleston, South Carolina. Clark passed away on April 17, 1984. Clark was a member of the Mystic Thai Lodge No. 398 in Indianapolis, Indiana. So this is the third article about uh, Brother Mark W. Clark. I'm not going to read the entire one. This one is actually rather lengthy, uh, but there will be a link to it in the show notes. So let's start. And this is actually from the citadel.edu. So this is the website from the Citadel where he actually has a building named after him and where he was a uh, instructor. So biography, Mark Wayne Clark, General, United States Army, retired, was born in Madison Barracks, New York, May 1st, 1896. He graduated from the United States Military Academy at West Point and was commissioned a second lieutenant of infantry in April 1917. He was promoted to first lieutenant May 15, 1917, and to captain August 5, 1917. Soon after he was promoted to captain, General Clark joined the 11th Infantry of the 5th Division in France, where he was wounded in action in the Vosges Mountains. He was assigned next to General Staff Headquarters, 1st American Army, and participated in the St. Michiel and Meuse-Argonne offensives, and later served with the 3rd Army in Belgium and Germany. After his return to the United States in 1919, General Clark was given various assignments, including a Chautauqua circuit tour for the Adjutant General of the Army in 1921. He was assigned to the Office of the Assistant Secretary of War from 1921 to 1924. He graduated from the Infantry School at Fort Benning, Georgia in 1925. He then served three years at the Presidio of San Francisco with the 30th Infantry, and from 1929 to 1933 was an instructor of the Indiana National Guard. General Clark graduated from the Command and General Staff School at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas in 1935. He then served for a year as Deputy Chief of Staff for the Civilian Conservation Corps, 7th Corps area at Omaha, Nebraska, before entering the Army War College. Upon graduation in 1937, he was assigned to Fort Lewis, Washington. In March 1940, General Clark became an instructor at the Army War College. The following August, he was named Assistant Chief of Staff for Operations of the General Headquarters, U.S. Army. In January 1942, became Deputy Chief of Staff of the Army Ground Forces, and in May 1942, was named Chief of Staff of that organization. General Clark was assigned in June 1942 as Commanding General of the 2nd Corps in England, 
The following month, he was named Commander of the Army Ground Forces in the European Theater of Operations, and in October 1942 became Deputy Commander-in-Chief of the Allied Forces in the North African Theater. In those capacities, General Clark laid the groundwork for a vast organizational housing and training program in the British Isles and played a leading part in planning the invasion of North Africa. In October 1942, shortly before the actual invasion, he made a dramatic and hazardous but highly successful trip by plane and submarine from London to French North Africa for a secret rendezvous with a group of French officers to arrange details of the proposed landings. As Deputy Commander-in-Chief of the Anglo-American Invasion Forces, he flew from Gibraltar to Algiers on the day following the landings on November 9, 1942. He immediately took into protective custody Admiral Jean-Francois Darlan. Admiral Darlan, who was in Algiers visiting his ill son, was cabinet minister in the German-dominated French government at Vichy and commander-in-chief of all French forces. General Clark induced Admiral Darlan to repudiate the Vichy regime and ordered all French forces in the Northwest and West Africa to cease resistance to the Americans and British. This order and the collaboration between the Anglo-American and French forces greatly facilitated the conquest of North Africa by the Allied powers. In January 1943, General Clark was designated Commanding General of the Fifth Army, the first American army to be activated in the European theater. With his headquarters in Wijda, North Africa, General Clark spent the next seven months directing the training of the American and French troops which composed the Fifth Army. He established infantry and amphibious bases on African soil and coordinated activities of the ground, sea, and air forces in planning the successful amphibious invasion of Italy on September 9, 1943. General Clark's Fifth Army captured Naples on October 1, 1943. On January 22, 1944, more elements of the Fifth Army were landed in a flanking movement at the seaside resorts of Anzio and Nettuno, about 30 miles south of Rome. Here, a strong beachhead 20 miles long and 8 miles deep was established, making possible a junction with the troops advancing from the south. After weeks of bitter fighting, the American 5th and British 8th Armies launched a new offensive on May 11, 1944, forcing a German withdrawal. On June 4, 1944, the 5th Army captured Rome, the first Axis capital to be liberated from the enemy. Two weeks later, the 5th Army had advanced 100 miles. Early in December 1944, General Clark was placed in command of the 15th Army Group, consisting of the 5th and 8th British Armies, and comprising all fighting forces in Italy. He held that command until the close of hostilities in Europe. On April 9, 1945, the 15th Army Group launched an offensive from the mountain position south of Bologna that broke through the, into the Po Valley and terminated in May 1945, when at Brenner Pass, Colonel General von Weitinghoff, German Commander-in-Chief Southwest, formally surrendered the 230,000 German troops in Italy and in the Austrian provinces of Tyrol, Verolberg, Salzburg, and parts of Carinthia and Styria. This was the first large-scale surrender of any German field command in Europe and terminated the war in Italy four days ahead of the end of hostilities in Western Europe. In June 1945, General Clark was appointed Commander-in-Chief of the U.S. Occupation Forces in Austria and U.S. High Commissioner for Austria. As U.S. High Commissioner in Austria, General Clark was the United States member of the Allied Commission for Austria, made up of representatives of the United Kingdom, the Soviet Union, and France, and served as the supreme administrative authority in that country. In that capacity, he rendered distinguished service in helping feed the people, restore and maintain order in Austria, weed Nazi elements from public office, and prepare the country for independent, democratic self-government. 
In 1947, he was deputy to the U.S. Secretary of State and sat in London and Moscow with the Council of Foreign Ministers negotiating a treaty for Austria. On June 19, 1947, General Clark assumed command of the 6th Army with headquarters at the Presidio in San Francisco, California. He was appointed Chief of Army Field Forces at Fort Monroe, Virginia in September 1949. General Clark was appointed Commander-in-Chief, Far East Command, on April 30, 1952, and assumed office on May 12, 1952, serving simultaneously as Commander-in-Chief, United Nations Command, Commanding General, United States Army Forces Far East, and Governor of the Ryukyu Islands. On July 27, 1953, General Clark signed a military armistice agreement between the United Nations Command and the military commanders of the North Korean Army and the Chinese People's Volunteers at Moonsang-ni, Korea. On October 7, 1953, General Clark relinquished his posts as Commander-in-Chief Far East and United Nations Command's Commanding General, U.S. Army Forces Far East, and Governor of the Ryukyu Islands. At his own request, General Clark retired from the military service on October 31, 1953, in Washington, D.C. General Clark accepted the presidency of the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina, on October 23, 1953. He assumed office on March 1, 1954, and was inaugurated on March 19, 1954. In the summer of 1954, he was appointed by Herbert Hoover to the position of chairman of the task force to investigate the Central Intelligence Agency and other intelligence organizations of the United States government. On June 30, 1965, General Clark retired from the presidency of the Citadel at his own request. On July 1, 1965, General Clark became president emeritus of the college. General Clark was married to Maureen Doran, daughter of Mr. and Mrs. M.A. Doran of Muncie, Indiana, May 17, 1924. Mrs. Clark died October 5, 1966. Their son is Major William Doran Clark, USA, retired. And their daughter Patricia Ann, Mrs. Gordon H. Costing, died November 27, 1962. He married Mrs. Mary Mildred Applegate, October 17, 1967. General Clark died April 17, 1984. He is buried on the Citadel campus between the Summerall Chapel and Mark Clark Hall. And just in case you're interested, that takes you to page 4 of 46 on this document about this amazing general. Uh, the other thing you may have noticed is that depending on where the art articles came from, some were a little on the negative side and said he didn't do so hot, and mainly on the positive side. So anyways, as you find with anything on the internet or anywhere you look, it's all up to perception. So anyways, hope you enjoyed this. Um, if you're really into military history, as I said, there's 46 pages of information about this guy on the last show link. So thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.